0: Good morning. <laughs> uh, uh, I got it right one week. That, that counts for something, right? I, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going with it. I got it right once. The world is fine now. Rest, rest assured, everybody. Good morning. My name is Drew, and this is Sippin' and Study, and we are on week number six of James. And this study, uh, we are starting chapter three, and that is the power of the tongue, so it's exciting. this is a uh, this is a lesson in James that I think we all need from time to time and probably more often than any of us would like to admit, <laughs> especially me. I don't know i I don't like admitting it, but I we all need it. We all need it. And it's something very real. It's very tangible. you know a lot of times when we dig into the Bible. Things get very spiritual and scriptural, Good morning, and uh, which is great. But sometimes we need something a little bit more practical too, right? And sometimes these practical life things are amazing. And and this is, oh, this is just one of them. And James hits it hard, like he tends to do. And this is a great study. So let's let's go ahead and and dig right into this. This is the power of the tongue. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and we're, we're getting into a spot where, good morning, where he uh, talks a, a bit about this, so this is, we're, we'll be talking similarly for a while, but this is the very beginning of it. Here we go. So, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, He is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Very intense, very in your face. In fact, so much so that I'm not breaking this down any further. We could, but I, I'm finding when I try to break it down a little bit further, it seems to lose a little bit of the the overarching message here. So we're actually just going to look at this as the whole of this one section, this whole piece, this whole 12 verse chunk, which really isn't that big. So we can, we can handle that. That's okay. So let's take a look at this. Starting at verse one, not many of you should become teachers. seems like a very odd way to start this out, talking about the tongue. Let's keep that in mind as we move forward, right? He starts off talking about the tongue by talking about teachers and how not many people should be teachers, okay? For you know that we who will teach will be judged with greater strictness, okay? So teachers appeared and still appear to hold or have held more power, and they were seen as one with higher authority, even though we we already know and we've discussed if you've watched earlier ones we we have jesus and then everyone else right there really isn't any extra higher authority in in between us right we do have a little bit of a, a hierarchy inside of the church but that's for different reasons but they see this as teachers must have a higher authority and are seen as better people and they're respected more because they're seen, right? They're in the limelight. So people want that position and they want that power. That's again talking from the time frame and we do still see this today. So it's easy to say that this is still applicable. Anywhere that people can try to take power, they try to take power. So this is this is what's going on here. So people didn't still do seek this for the wrong reasons. Okay? And James warns that teachers are held to a higher standard and will be judged more harshly. It's like a two pieces here, not necessarily talking about them being judged more harshly, but some of the extra pieces that come along with the teacher's role, right? Luke 12, 48. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Okay? Everyone who excuse me, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Okay. That's just logic, right? Okay. If you don't know your punishment, you're still probably going to get punished or you're still going to get punished, but it's might not be as heavy, right? But if you're being trusted with great things, you're going to be held accountable and responsible for great things, right? So that's just the natural course of this. Okay, let's look at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders. This is one of those things that it's they're talking. It, this is directed specifically at people who are not in the leadership position, but this is something that every leader and every teacher really needs to pay attention to, and that's why I'm bringing it in here. Listen to this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, but Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Do you hear that? We're responsible and we need to give an account for certain things of that go on in other people's lives. It is not just us. It is. We're responsible for ourselves. But I, I had a friend the other day who specifically said, you know, people are going to live however they want. I, I, I'm I, doing what I can, and they're going to do whatever they, they feel is best, and that's just fine. Then scriptures like this come into account and really make you question and wonder, going, is that enough? Is that really just fine? Or do we need to care more, right? Because we're going to have to give an account. And then it goes on here, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So teachers and leaders, people, are, know, whatever higher up stature you can say inside the church, not necessarily inside the church, but inside the faith, we're we're going to be speaking on your behalf too. So there's more to it than just getting the prestige of the day, which is what they were seeing. Okay. Now this being held accountable and going to be judged with greater strictness, notice judged with greater strictness. To be saved, you accept Jesus. You you are in the family, right? That is salvation. You are saved by accepting Jesus. This is talking about um, when the judgment seat, when you're going in front and you have to give an account for the things that you've done. This is judgment based off of what kind of expectations can you find in heaven kind of thing, right? Okay. This is not a, will you be saved kind of judgment, Okay. Number number 2 and I've always said and it's it sounds silly but at the same time I I want to do the best I can to live my life and do what I can but honestly if I can get in on the outskirts like the very outer edge of heaven and live in a cardboard box I mean I at least I'm there right but I obviously want to do better than that but but it's just one of those like let's let's do the best we can right but I want to be there like that's this the goal is not to, to be in hell, right? All right, verse two, moving on. Sorry, I'm, I'm digressing here. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says specifically, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. See, stumble is a common analogy for sinning throughout the scriptures, right? It, is, it just is, to stumble. Now, it's a Greek term here, teo, which actually means fail, or it's translated as fail earlier in this book. You can go back if you want. It's chapter two, verse ten. Uh, when you see fail, it's the same Greek term as to uh, as Teo, fail and stumble here are the same Greek term. So he's using the same same terminology here. And he goes on to say, so if we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, mm, because our our character comes out of our mouth, right, and also our flaws when. We don't have our first cup of coffee in the morning when we're too tired, when we're pushed to our limit, when our kids have pushed all of our buttons and then somebody says something really dumb next to us, when we try to do a four-way stop in Namba, Idaho and get really frustrated because people don't know how that works, whatever it is, right? It, It seems to come out of our mouth. Our flaws come out, okay? Now, when he says he's a perfect man... This actually, the word perfect here actually translates to fully mature, right? So you're perfect. You're fully mature. You have grown as much as a man can grow or a woman can grow. You are at at the pinnacle of what you can develop as. There's no further to go. And he's saying this in almost kind of a, not necessarily a mocking way, but almost as a mocking way. Like you're not going to reach it. Like, you know, if you can, if you can really control your tongue, then you have must have perfected everything else. Okay. Abel also, as he says, able also to bridle his whole body thing. Like if you can tame your tongue, you can do everything else. Let's look at Matthew 12, 36 to 37. I tell you on the day of judgment, again judgment seat, right? People will give an account for every careless word they speak. That's scary, right? We've all had that point. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. And now justified is not a salvation justification, right? Kind of like what we were talking about last week. This justified is more like you're justified in the rewards that you'll get, not your salvation, right? Okay, so let's move on here. Doing good. Now, three to five, A, okay? We've split five in half. And if you're reading this in a study Bible, a lot of them actually have these sections separated and five is actually separated between these two segments. So, but these two, these, uh, excuse me, three through five. So three, four, five, Oh well, I have to count today. First cup of coffee. It's okay. We'll get there. Uh, are two examples of large objects or large things being controlled by small pieces. Okay. Let's look at three. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, We guide their whole bodies as well. So that little bit in the mouth controls the whole horse. And there's more to it than that, but you get the point. And look at the ship also. They're so large and driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pirate, pirate, wow, pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Okay, we have to... Keep in mind, what he's saying is the tongue is incredibly powerful and used inappropriately, it's devastating. And we're going to get to that, this next section. But he's saying it's very, very powerful. Our whole is controlled by our tongue. But in the essence, it really is, shows what we're really about. Okay, let's look at Psalms. Psalms 32 or Psalm 32, eight to nine. I will instruct you, Okay, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. He's okay, saying don't be needing to be controlled and, and forced. Right, Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Mm, something to mull over. Okay. First Peter 3.10. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. That's a little bit more direct and a little bit more straightforward, right? But Proverbs and Psalms are are not necessarily as obvious and direct. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits, right? Because you can speak blessings, you can speak cursing, you can all sorts of different ways that the tongue works. And it's a very powerful piece of the body, which makes sense why many wanted to be teachers, because it is a very powerful piece. And if the church is the body of Christ, the tongue is the speaking portion. It's a powerful part of the body, and people want that power and that authority, which which creates issues. Five B. So the second half of five transitions. Okay, he's transitioning from we control horses and and ships, and like it can be a good thing, right? You can use some good out of this, but be careful to all of a sudden going towards the bad and hurls us towards the bad direction here. Okay, five B. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire? Living in Idaho, we see this a lot, right? Somebody drags a muffler on the ground, sparks it, hits, hits, uh, hits some dry weeds, and up it goes in flames. Somebody doesn't put out their campfire properly, so on and so forth. You know, so he's transitioning from controlling the tongue and having a controlled tongue to an uncontrolled tongue, and that imagery of the tongue and its misuse of words causing havoc okay causing this kind of havoc. Let's take a look at proverbs again. There is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay. It can it can be a damaging blow or it can be a healing. Okay. and 6. But before we get to 6, I want to point something out. And this is something to where I want us to really consider And think about this for a moment. He ended chapter two. Now, mind you, these weren't written as chapters. These weren't written as verses, okay? These were written in a way, it was was a letter, right? An epistle is a letter. We have added chapters and verses so that it's easy to reference, right? So we can memorize certain portions. If we're talking about a certain thing, it's easy to say, James chapter three, verse six. It's easier to say that than, you know, go about halfway, and it's in there somewhere, right? So we did this for easy referencing, but he ends this first section, right? This last section that we did in chapter two with faith without works is dead. Authentic faith will always produce action. Like you're always gonna do something, right? If if God is living in you, you can't help but let him out, right, he moves out through you, you have to go and do. And so authentic faith moves, right? Faith without works, is a dead faith. It's dead. You don't have it, right? Okay. So this is what he's saying. And he starts chapters three. So it says specifically, faith without works is dead. Not many of you should teach. That's a really odd transition. Coming from an outsider's perspective, that is a very odd transition. And now he's going from not many of you should teach and then describing about the tongue, which is obviously a, a metaphor and speaking directly about being in the speaking position, right? And he turns that from, you need to be able to bridle your body, your everything, because who you are is going to come out your mouth, and then transitions it into what we're hitting here, which is all of the devastation that comes from the misuse of the tongue. Okay, so if we put these pieces together, this indicates that people claiming the teaching position, like right, trying to go for that power grab, and trying to get in there to be the ones of authority and be the ones of power, they were speaking wrongly and or ungodly. And they were causing trouble for the church. Notice that I put a C, capital C here for church, the overarching church, not their local church, right? Because these were all house churches. Okay, this was just like in somebody's house. Not just that. No, the overarching church, the holy church, the body of Christ, everyone. They were causing trouble for everyone. They were causing trouble for all of Christianity and all believers everywhere because it's defiling the body. And so we need to keep these things in mind, okay? As we move forward and as we go throughout our day and our days and our months, we need to keep in mind that what comes out of our mouths, even if we're not in that position of authority, affects everyone. It affects the entire kingdom of God. It affects every believer. It affects everyone at every church, okay? We are representatives of God. We are representatives of Jesus, and we need to act accordingly. It's not always easy. We screw up, right? But we can apologize, and we can do what we can to make it right, and we can move on and hold ourselves accountable and do our best to live godly lives and and respond in ways that are appropriate, okay. So let's let's look at at verse 6 here. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members staining Look at that staining. Brings up that whole point of causing problems, right? Staining the whole body. Setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Wow. Big verse and tons of stuff in this. Let's let's take a look at this. So from our mouth tends to come the world, right? Because we're from the world, right? So t- we we're surrounded by it. We're always in it. We're not of you know in the world, not of the world, right? So we're not of the world, but it still tends to come out, right? Because we we were born in sin, so it tends to still come out, and so unrighteousness comes out. Our worst can come out more than we'd like, and honestly, more than we'd think. Now, the tongue or the mouth tells the world what we're about right? We're telling everyone what we are about. So if our example is bad, if we're giving a bad example, then God and Jesus and all of Christianity look bad, okay? So the tongue is on fire, a world of unrighteousness, okay? The tongue is set among our members, right? Like it's very visible. It's set. It's there. It's set among our members. And when it's doing how did I say this? I didn't say it on the podcast here, but it was one of those things that I, we had a moment. and I don't know that it's necessarily fully appropriate, but at the same time, we can handle this, right? We're talking real stuff. It was just one of those things. It was like, ah, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It's what it is. But unfortunately, when we do this, we play stupid games and everyone wins stupid prizes because of it. It's not okay, right? We need to, we need to watch what we're doing, right? If our example's bad, then all of it looks bad. Okay, it stains the whole body. Now, setting on fire, the course of life. Now, course of life literally translates to the cycle of existence. Okay, So the Greek used here literally comes in as the cycle of existence. And most tend to think and believe that this, this means like the, your typical daily up and downs, like just the, the regular course of life. Right. And that's why it's in here as course of life. Is it your daily ups and downs? Is the ebbs and flows how the weeks go together? Okay. But it sets it on fire. It makes everything harder. It makes it more difficult. It makes it to where it's miserable. Right. Not fun. Okay. And it is a, a fire, right? It is a fire by hell, set on fire by hell. Right. These evil, boastings, manipulative, angry, vile. Now, don't, don't mix anger with righteous anger. There's a difference, but still uh, unrighteous anger, vile words. These, th- these things don't come from God or his Holy Spirit, right? They come from us. They come from the, the, the world around us, right? Well, who controls the world? I mean, we want to sit here and say, well, God, we're God's kingdom, But the Bible tells us that the world recognizes a different ruler, and so it acts according to their ruler, and their ruler is Satan. Satan is their ruler. And so when we speak like the world, we let Satan out of our mouth, which then makes Christianity look like Satan's, right? Not good. Let's look look at Romans chapter 3 real fast. This is a longer section, so I'm just going to pound through it real fast. As it is written... "'None is righteous, no, not one. "'No one understands, no one seeks God. "'All have turned aside. "'Together they have become worthless. "'No one does good, not even one. "'Their throat is an open grave. "'They use their tongues to deceive. "'The venom of asps, which are incredibly poisonous snakes, "'is under their lips.' Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's that's some pretty harsh words, but take a moment to think about this. Write, write this one down. Romans chapter three, verses 10 to 18. Okay, do yourself a little favor. Don't always take somebody's words, even mine for, for, you know, just as it is. Look at in context, you know, rule of 2020, go 20 before 20 after if you can. Uh, We're at verse 10. So you're going to go into chapter two a little bit and go out a little bit. But anyway, just so that you get the the point of what's being said here. I'm using this as a reference because I want you to see how much verbiage is in this section about speech and their tongue. Okay. Talking, no one understands, no one seeks, no one cares, no one does good. Ah, their throat is an open grave. Their throat is an open cave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is, mouth is full of curses and bitterness. And there's a lot. And then you go beyond that and it literally says, their feet swift so to shed blood in their paths and ruin and misery. In the way of peace, they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. So, if you include there's no fear of God before their eyes, that's two. You have two references to things other than the mouth. Everything else, throat, you got to use your throat to speak, right? So, throat. So, we get throat, tongue, lips, mouths, and then feet. Even in this, that our mouth, what we speak and how we use our language creates more struggle than our actions sometimes. And we need to be aware of that. Seven and eight. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Pause. How cool is that? We're like 2,000 years out from this and they're already saying... We've already tamed everything. Everything we can find, we've been able to tame. It's fine. That's as a side note. I just that's incredibly cool. Um. Anyway, moving on. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Again, going back to Romans, the the, the venom of asps is under their lips. Wow, the imagery is intense, right? So animals, animals can be trained. Over time with work and will, right? We can do this. I I have a a, not a rebellious, he's an amazing dog, but he's active. We'll say that. We'll say that. We'll say that. He's full of energy, but with time, he's gotten better. But with time, he gets a little bit better. And with work, we get him worked down and he's doing better. And he's a a little bit more tame. We'll say that. He's a little bit more tame. (laughs) Um, Bruno's amazing. It's fine. It's moving on. But you can do that over time. But the tongue, the tongue is the outlet symbol for our worldly and sinful nature. And that cannot be tamed. We can hold it back from time to time, but every now and then things slip out. And the enemy knows this. And so they allow the world and allow things and they use it to push into us, to allow that to come out, to cause problems, right? So we need to not help them by just naturally putting out problems. We need to do our best to bridle and control our tongue and watch what we say and how we say and when we say, right? And and believe me, I am just as bad, if not a worse offender than a lot of people, and I'm working on it. This is a daily thing where we all work on this, right? So if you're feeling very convicted here, you're not alone, right? Can we get some amens in the chat room on that? Because you're not alone. So the sin shows its true color and nature here in your tongue as it is full of deadly poison let's take a look at another psalm here uh 143 140 colon 3 right they make their tongue sharp as serpents and under their lips is the venom of asps so it's it's intense stuff here right As we get one amen in the chat room. Thanks, Anthony. At least you got my back. It's fine. Thank you. (laughs) All right. And then we're going to wrap this up. Nine and 10. There's all the way through 12, but we're wrapping it up. We're getting to this, right? Nine and 10. Okay. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Okay. That's... That needs a moment in itself. With it, we bless our Lord and Father and curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And herein lies one of the major issues, one of the major problems that we have with our mouth. And with our tongue, we bless God and we curse people. And I want to—I I actually put a little, a little piece here from um, one of my study materials. Is is my ESV, the Crossway ESV Study Bible that I use, and it had an amazing point on this one piece. And so I actually put this specifically in here. Okay, it says it is both hypocrisy and folly to bless God during a worship service and then after the service to curse someone made in God's image. And then they referenced Genesis chapter one, verse 27, right from the beginning. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. That is something we all need to keep our minds on. When we are saying things about others, they are made in the image of God. You are, when you're saying horrible, vile things about another human being, again, I'm not pointing at you specifically, but when we say these things, we are saying that at God's image. We might as well hold up a picture of God and say it direct. Does that change the imagery a little bit? Uh, it does to me, it's a hard thing to keep in mind. God made us all in his image and our tongue shows what's inside us. It shows our character. And if we're going to speak it, okay, I'm saying here in the note here on the screen, if you're going to speak it, you're likely to do it. And if you're not willing to speak it, you're definitely not willing to do it. Okay. Using that as a guide. Okay. If you're willing to say something like oh man i'd go and punch that guy in the face you're you're more likely to go and punch somebody in the face I'm, i i can't remember if i've ever actually punched somebody in the face but anyway you know if you're not willing to speak it then you're really not willing to do it and that goes both ways right like oh man you know yeah i'd love to help out at at this one church and do this one thing yeah that would be that would be amazing i just don't have time well, if you're willing to speak it, you can let that mull over inside of you and you might ha- let it happen. But if you're not even willing to bring it up and speak about it, it's not part of you, right? That's a bad example, but you, you get the idea here, right? If it's something that you're in your character, if you're not even willing to speak it, it's not in your character, right? All right, 11 and 12, let's wrap this up. Does a spring pour f- pour forth from its same opening? Both fresh and salt water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So just uses three absolutely ridiculous examples to drive the point home. Okay. You can't, you can maybe fake it. You can maybe fake some change for a bit, but eventually who you are will come out of your mouth. And so if you're authentically, if you're really going to change, you have to have that real authentic change inside of you. And to have that real authentic change inside of you, you have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have Jesus, right? You have to accept Jesus and let the Spirit work inside of you and change and let that change. And then your mouth will and your tongue will change with it. Doesn't mean you're not going to have slip-ups. Not Doesn't mean you're not going to have issues because you will. I can promise you that. You're going to have slip-ups and you're going to have issues. Okay, started this off by saying, if you don't slip in the mouth, you obviously are perfect in every other aspect of your life. Okay, it's going to happen. People are going to push your buttons, things are going to happen. It's, But we need to work on it and be better about it, right? Okay, we're all sinners and we all struggle here in this. We're all loved. Okay, we're loved If you've accepted Jesus, right? You're loved, you're saved, but we're not perfect. God's still working on us. You're still here. There's still a reason for you to be here. There's still something for you to do. And maybe he's still working on you and getting you ready to do it, okay? So allow that time, it's okay. And what can we take from this? A lot, really, right? We boiled it down to four. Not everyone is called to be a teacher of the word, okay? And teachers are held to a higher standard and will be judged likewise. Okay? Don't just seek to be a teacher. Now, that does not mean that we're not to help each other and help lift each other up and maybe host a Bible study and, like, you know, have some people over and and talk about it and, and encourage one another. I think we are all called to do that. But not everyone's meant to be the person standing up on stage and preaching. Okay, that's what we're talking about, right? We're not all meant to do that, okay, and be the, the mouthpiece of the church, okay? And trust me, there are so many things that go on behind the scenes that, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, are more important and do bigger things. It's okay, right? Everyone fumbles with their words, right? Only a perfect person who can completely control themselves in every aspect could possibly control, perfectly control their mouths which let's be frank, will only happen in heaven, right? So it's okay, but don't get caught up in that thought of, it's okay, everyone struggles. No, we can do better. And so we strive to do better. And we pray and we ask God to take that from us and to work in us and to change us with that. And we all, keep in mind here, we all represent God and we all represent the church, not just our local church, If you have your church's t-shirt or coffee mug, that's not just the only church you represent. You represent Christianity. You represent the body of Christ. You represent everyone who claims Christ. And you represent God. And when we speak evil, it impacts the entire body. And we must, must be mindful of this. And our speech shows who we are on the inside. We cannot bless God one second and then turn around and curse people made in his image the next. We have to do better than this. That is not how God wants this to be, and that's not how he wants us to be. We can and we must do better. We have to be united. We have to stick together, and we must do this together, and so we can't be cursing people, okay? All right, let's pray about this. God, thank you so much. I know I personally, because I don't have other people here right now, I can, but I can personally say, I this is an area I tend to struggle in. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the the words and the thoughts just come out, and I haven't had a chance to fully process the implications, and maybe I catch it midstream, and half the issue is still out there. So God, I, I really want to thank you for this reminder, and I ask that you work in myself, and that you work in all of us watching this video and and listening to this, and those list, watching it later. God, I ask that you you touch us, and you work inside of us, and you help us with this, and you help us control these things that come out of our mouths, because the mouth is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Thank you for the day, and and just. Help everyone have a great rest of the day and a good weekend and stay healthy and get healed of anything that's going on. Jesus' name, amen. Well, yeah, I want you guys to have a, a great weekend. This was a good study, I think. Thank you guys so much for being here, and I hope you got something out of it. And have a great weekend, and we will see you all next time. Bye bye.